How to dream, cowboys. Welcome to the second episode of the Westworld Season 1 Rewatch Podcast. Tonight we're going to be going through Episode 2 and talking about the things that stick out to us having already seen it and the stuff that still works. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So, I think you already tweeted about it. There's been a bit of Westworld news, or maybe there is Westworld news incoming. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, first off, they began filming on June 22nd. Uh, On top of that, James Marsden's been posting pictures of him in quick draw practice so he's 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 trying to figure out how to actually shoot somebody for once and not get shot all the time and dolores slash uh, hashtag evan rachel wood was also seen i believe on instagram like putting on or trying on corsets being like it's, it's time to try to act in corsets once more so you know everything's stirring this all wouldn't have happened if the writer's strike had gone through which it didn't so, uh, you know, thank God for that, because it's actually happening. They're filming right now. We still have no idea when it's going to actually air, because remember, they have like 10 episodes. They're not Game of Thrones. They're not coming. To, they're not like getting rid of episodes yet. So they're getting into it, but we still don't really have a timeline for when we're actually going to see this show. And there was a funny tweet that Evan Rachel Wood got. Someone was like, hey. When is season two coming out? And you know what her response was? No. She said, doesn't look like anything to me. Wow. Wow. It makes sense. It's the thing she says in the show. Trolling <laughs> but, us. Yeah, she is trolling us. Oh, also, um, Jonah and Lisa Joy said something to the effect of, like, if you want to play the game with us and, like, really follow along and, and not spoil it, I wouldn't go on Reddit next season. Like, they said that straight up. Hear that, everybody? Get off Reddit. The thing is, I'm not going to. It's like, it's the thing I like to do a lot. I love going to read those threads afterwards and and seeing all the theories. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the show. And, And this informs something that we talk about all the time, whether or not it's better to watch the show while being a nosy detective, or whether it's better to watch the show just letting it all stream into your subconscious slash conscious and you just deal with it for the week and then you get back into it for episode two and and you don't read up anything on it and i think we've concluded in the past like it kind of just matters what you want to do and the way you want to watch a show but it's obvious that the the uh the creators of the show are like don't don't take the easy pass. Appreciate all the art that we're creating and then my sect of human being is going no thanks So jumping right into episode two, before we started recording, you and I were talking about the very first scene, which also it's recalled at the end of the episode. Dolores, not really seeming like herself, is walking around in the middle of the night and finds a gun buried underground. And I'm thinking back to when we first recapped episode two, you and I were like, oh, well, that's going to come back at some crucial moment. And I don't think it ever really did. Unless it's the gun that she used at the end of the season, which it may be. So, I think you have to assume that 
it it, it might be. I, I actually don't know where this gun is used and when. But like we like you just said, like we saw the gun being unburied. Like wow. First off, who buried it there? Was it her? Uh, I think. I think in retrospect, it was probably her. Like there was not anybody else that is, unless it was Bernard, who uh, is half Arnold and working for Doctor Ford. You know, we find out at the end, but unbeknownst to himself. But like, it's super vague. They really don't call back to it. And we watch the show pretty diligently, and we're not exactly sure where this gun is used. So I'd have to say, by process of elimination, it's probably the one she uses at the end. But honestly, I, I don't know. Yeah, if you're out there listening and, and we're just 100% wrong and you know exactly when that gun comes into play, tweet us at Westworld Ryan. Yeah, I'm sure you, and people don't love to correct other people at all. So the main thrust of this episode is about Jimmy Simpson's character, William, who is the man in black. He's he's not he's he's the man in white at first. And he's arriving at the park with Logan, who I forget who plays Logan. Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes. And uh Of Chronicles of Narnia fame, I believe. Yeah, of course. How could I forget? Yeah, no, he's at the Lion, the Witch, and the Ben Barnes, I believe. I might be completely wrong. They're arriving at the terminal. They do their whole getting suited up, white hat, black hat. We get a lot of, uh, I think there's some subtle things, like, with maybe the man in black. Because, like, in the very first shot that William is in, he's dressed all in black. But not, he's got a white shirt, so maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's 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 wearing all black minus the white. Uh, he's basically an Oreo. Also, he is. So this is the episode. So if you recall in the pilot, you don't meet William or Jimmy Simpson at all. So all you have of this character is Ed Harris's the man in black. And when you enter episode two, you don't know that William is the man in black. But. When you go back and watch it, you immediately go, okay, this guy is one day going to be so evil that his wife kills himself over it. And it's really hard for you to understand or or take that, like, really take that in when you meet Jimmy Simpson's William because he's so gosh dang nice. Right, but I guess the way the show explains it is that he hasn't undergone his... his super evil transformation yet when he kills Maeve and her daughter. Right. Which we also see in flashbacks all the way through this episode. And, you know, like you just said, it's we're we're witnessing William's transformation. It's uh, it's something I've said in the past, I think happens too quickly and uh, is not done as well as I would have liked. But at the same time, they only had 10 episodes and William wasn't even in the first one. So what are you going to do? One of the things that jumps out at you is that the attendant, William's like host welcomer, who's getting him oriented and trying to seduce him. She does a good job and you get the idea that like, oh, she did such a good job that they're like, oh, let's put her later in the season. And then they liked her so much like, oh, let's just make her main character in season two. 
Exactly. That's Tallulah Riley, who the internet was describing early on in last season as Elon Musk's ex-wife, to which the internet then re-responded like, this is an actress who has a job and doesn't deserve to be understood as someone's ex-wife. This is just Tallulah Riley, who is a great actress. And that's exactly right, James. She, we see her later in the season, I believe episode 9 and 10, when she's part of that uh, cannibalistic tribe uh, in that final, uh, in that weird battle between, uh, at the end with the, with the bull guy, I don't, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, she's coming back for season two. I'm excited to see her. There's some Bernard intrigue where him and Elsie are talking about the reveries and Elsie's really worried. And Bernard's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. I'm sure everything's fine. And that's an original thought that I'm having. Yeah, do you recall, I think our original reaction to that was like, Elsie is the person in Jurassic Park going like, everything is going to go bad. And and then Bernard's the guy going, nah, everything will be fine. I'm sure it will be fine. But, uh, and I guess now in retrospect, like, we thought he was saying that because he was just the, the character who says no. The character who's like, nah, everything's fine. As it turns out, as he's listening to that, Dr. Robert Ford can one day just listen to Elsie say that to him again and be like, good, Bernard, you did the exact right thing. Deflect, deflect, deflect. Right. You and I had thought that he he was drinking the Robert Ford Kool-Aid, but now we understand that he doesn't really have a choice. He's literally made of the Robert Ford Kool-Aid. So we get the, the beginning of the Maeve storyline here, where she's being really rude to Dolores outside the saloon and Dolores gives her the Shakespeare line which drives her crazy yep she passes on the virus in that moment Dolores is is going into town trying to go about her day we keep seeing Dolores wake up I think that's one of my favorite like uh, repetitive shots of season one where we see Dolores wake up over and over again and she just gets more and more angry and and more and more you know less like a robot and more like a vengeful the one slash Keanu Reeves slash uh, whoever is going to be doing all the work in the Matrix. But, you know, you're right. It's we we see an intro to a bunch of characters uh, who also <laughs> actually before we keep going, we, we get to see Logan for that first time in his dumb, stupid black hat. Like he's wearing the black hat, right? And William's wearing the white hat. But more so than anything, Logan's hat is and I need to reiterate this so dumb such a dumb little hat i had a thought this episode where it's like if you and i went to westworld and and i came out of the train with a white hat and you had a black hat on i'd be like okay well clearly we should have communicated before we parted ways i don't want to be a white hat if you're gonna be a black hat this isn't gonna be a good time right that's not gonna be a good week we don't we're not gonna be doing the same stuff you're gonna be walking in and trying to go into the civil war expedition and i'm gonna be like no why don't we just shoot teddy flood as many times as possible <laughs> actually later in this episode there's that like jacked up frat dude who's like this is a vacation Woo! right after he just shoots teddy randomly in the bar like like exactly like logan was trying to do earlier in the episode right before he stabbed the dude in the hand who was trying to sell the treasure hunt to william and william was like can we just eat can we just please eat? Yeah, my favorite Logan moment is when he tells the, the shoulder check guy to fuck off. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, so the guy who always shoulder checks Teddy Flood when Teddy walks off the train and goes into um, into Sweetwater. Logan, he shoulder checks Logan as well. And, and you can see the, the difference between 
Teddy's reaction, which is to turn and tip his hat, and Logan's reaction when his dumb little stupid black hat when he turns around and goes, uh, he does, yeah, he just tells him to fuck off, and and uh, the dude's way bigger than him, but he doesn't care because Logan knows what the man in black knows. He's immortal there. And then we get the introduction of Lawrence, or uh, we were calling him Lars for a while. <laughs> uh, we were calling him Lars because we have a very close relationship with him. That's right. One of the things that, so in this scene and then in the later Lars's like town scene, the man in black is enjoying himself so much just like shooting down the helpless robots. And I was thinking like, it's no fun to play a game in God mode. Where's the fun? Which is actually, this is something the man in black says towards the end of the season. Where's the fun if there's no real danger? Right. You know? So, you know, here's this thing. I am actually a human being who loves uh, God video games. There's this one great one called Black and White. There's uh, There are these neat video games where you get to, like, play God. Spore is an example ex- as well. And I'm actually the type of, of gamer who who enjoys being in that role and ha- having little obstacle and just destroying stuff. My favorite part of SimCity was where you could just, you know, destroy Megapolis at the end. I don't know why, because I'm... Well, actually, yes, I do. I'm a a sadistic uh, human being with a god complex. But either way, I think that's something similar to what Ed Harris was feeling after he became all-immortal and everybody left him, and the only place that he had a real life was inside Westworld, where he he had something to do and someone to kill. But you're right. Through that nine episodes, he gets to the end, he's like, I don't even like this game anymore. I I can't even get shot. But, you know what? The real... I really enjoyed seeing William's face dealing with Logan because like basically the first 20 minutes of William and Logan is exposition of like Logan's a dickhead and William's the really nice guy. And you see William like smile slightly when he first meets Dolores towards the end. And you're like, you know, the next time you see him smile that genuinely is when he gets shot in the chest. There's a really important scene. It's one of the Dolores speaking with Bernard scenes, but it's taking place in the basement, like Robert Ford's secret basement. So that can't be Bernard, right? It no, yeah, to- it is Bernard. It is Bernard. It's the first moment we see the uh, the new timeline. So this is the first moment they break out into three different timelines in one episode. That is in... You're right. That's in the log cabin underneath where he, um, Ford would eventually store his his fake family. And that's also the, the, the room where Bernard ends up... Um, killing Teresa and so on and so forth. And the and, and then, uh, you know, Ford was making a new a, a new robot inside that room where Bernard and Dolores were talking. And we were like, is that new robot going to be Teresa that he just takes over, but ends up like not being anything at all. But yeah, I, I think that's the past. Or is it just a, a dream? I don't know. Yeah, I thought maybe like, is this happening inside of Dolores's mind palace? And <laughs> she's talking with the Matrix version of Arnold. Right, which we talked about a little earlier before we started recording. I had to go back and like understand exactly who Arnold was because it was a little unclear to me. And from what I gather, there's like it's like fifty fifty, half like Ghost in the Shell. Arnold actually wrote his code in and is like kind of underneath some things and everything at any given moment. And then secondarily, Bernard is also acting as Arnold into like literally a microphone saying words. And Bernard doesn't know he's doing it, and Ford knows that he programmed Bernard to do it, 
but so like it's like it's half the time it's some ghost in the shell stuff and the other half the time it's literally bernard pretending to be arnold and you can hear it being like i think that's bernard's voice just weird and deep so there's also more stuff going on in the mave storyline she's having a hard time seducing the newcomers she gets pulled in by some techies and they think they should make her more aggressive but it still doesn't work out and no, she's having weird all. flashbacks. Right. The virus is taking hold. She's slowly but surely remembering her daughter being killed by the man in black. Uh, one of her worst memories. And something Ford talks to Bernard in this episode about at some point where uh, where he he mentions that they actually have a wonderful conversation. You know, I'll, I'll get to that when we get to that because it, it's a really great conversation I want to go over. The first player piano song happens, Weeping Willow Rag by Scott Joplin, right before uh, Maeve is is doing her speech that is the speech that she doesn't do well enough, apparently, because she's not getting laid enough, which is so crass that, like, she's not getting laid enough. So they're like, whatever, retire. She's old. Get her out of there. And then you kind of already mentioned the restaurant scene. We get a lot of stuff with Logan and William that's just kind of demonstrating that William's not having a good time. They're not doing the kind of things that he would enjoy. It, it's 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 like when you uh you hang out with your friend one-on-one for the first time and it's like, "Oh, you you're only doing the stuff that you want to do. You didn't even ask what I want to do." Right. And Logan's response to that is like, "I really don't care because this might be for work, dude." They do work together. It's it's clear he says that, you know, Logan says he needs to grow a pair of balls at work and, you know, this might be work. This might this might be something to like, you know, turn you around. Uh little does Logan know he will do that and more. We get the big action scene of this episode with the man in black just mowing down everyone in Lars's hometown or Lawrence, whatever you like. Yeah, as as he takes off his blindfold, he goes, Motherfucker! One of the best intro lines of any character in this show. We get the weird cryptic line from Lawrence's daughter. Follow the blood arroyo to the place where the snake lays its eggs. Right, which she should have just been like, follow the river. It's at right. the end of the river. When you get to the end of the river, there's going to be a weird church there. Go in there. Uh, if you're in Robert Ford's time... Uh, like in this in this episode, it will be buried and slash burned down. But like, ah, don't worry about that. You got you got go to the river. <laughs> it seems like the man in black like takes <laughs> Lars out of the town. And he's like, now come on, Lars, you and I are gonna go and we're gonna find this very real and not metaphorical maze. So here's this thing: Did Lars know? Did Lars let his wife die and not say anything because he's just like programmed to not say anything but his daughter is i took it to mean that the little girl was possessed by arnold in that moment okay so is that some uh, uh, now that brings up like is that ghost in the shell arnold or is it literally bernard waiting at a station being like okay we're gonna tell him real soon it sounds it feels like it was some ghost in the shell arnold yeah of course we don't know (laughs) no exactly it's very vague uh, at some point, we we see the conversation. Uh, B- Ford is walking around, and he comes up to Bernard, and, and they have a conversation where Ford says the line, you can't play God without being acquainted by the devil. And at some point, Ford also says, like, you also have something else to say. I know how that head of yours works. You know, because Bernard's a robot. And Ford knows that. 
Ford then goes, you know, do you think it's sabotage? He asks Bernard that, which is at first you think like, oh man, it's sabotage. Someone must be sabotaging it. But in, now you understand that was just Ford asking Bernard if he, if he, if he thinks it's him, right? That was him just checking if Bernard was like, yeah, I think it's you. I think you did this because Ford is like, cause I did do this. So I'm just kind of seeing if you know. I think what's happening a, a bit in this episode is Ford is still kind of struggling with his decision. He's like, am I going to kind of realize Arnold's dream? Is that is that really what I'm doing now? And we have that scene where he meets with little robot Ford and they go to the burned down church and he seems to have some kind of revelation while he's there. And I think that maybe he's kind of he's he's concluding. He's like, yeah, OK, we're doing this. Which you can actually really see later in the episode, actually the last scene of the episode where where Lee Sizemore is, is is showing his like Red River Odyssey and Ford has to say no because Ford's like, no, nah, I just literally decided to do this whole big thing. So you can't do a, another big thing while I'm doing my big thing. Also, those are some dope boots. There's a large chunk towards the end that's devoted entirely to Maeve. Um, Did you get the feeling from this episode that it would get annoying at all? I kind of didn't. In this episode, it felt like one of the really good storylines. It felt like there was a lot of nudity in in that in this part. Uh, Maeve slash uh, Tandy Newton was was nude the whole time that she woke up in, uh, you know, because she said earlier in the episode, like, because Clementine Pennyfeather, best name, was talking to her earlier about um, having nightmares, at which point Elsie, like, says to another technician who asks her, do, do they dream? And she's like, no, that'd be insane. But they do have the concept of dreams, specifically nightmares, because, you know, what if they, like, don't go to sleep and they see somebody and they're and you're just like, oh, man, it's a, it's a nightmare. And they're like, oh, okay, great. And so they have the idea of nightmares, but it sounds like Clementine Pennyfeather best name is actually having nightmares, or you don't really know. It's either she's actually having nightmares, or she just has the concept of them. But either way, like... They, and then Maeve tells Clementine Pennyfeather best name, you know, when you're doing that, just count down three, two, one, and you'll come out of it and you'll wake up and everything will be fine. When Maeve goes to bed that night because of the uh, violent delights have violent ends virus that's going through her brain, she has for the first time the fully fledged flashback of her getting almost scalped by an Indian and then there the Indians like chase her into her house and then when the Indian's about to come into her house, the Indian turns into the man in black, which is never actually explained. I don't understand that one at all. And then the man in black, you know, kills her and her daughter, which is the flashback that is like the cornerstone of of her life that she always recalls. But at the same time, she's having that fully fledged flashback and she counts down in that dream that she's actually maybe having three, two, one and her eyes open and she's on uh, one of the beds in the, you know, actually inside the Westworld like infirmary with Felix and Sylvester, the two cats. Yeah. And I think this is the best part of the episode. She runs away from them and she's going through all the different parts of the labs, seeing what happens to the hosts when they get shot and how they get put back into the park. And she just, like, completely despairs. And eventually the cats catch up with her and knock her back out. I remember the first time I watched it, that was like, you know, episode one was great. But, like, this was the first one 
this scene, not only is it like, oh, you immediately start to relate to Maeve, but it's it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of like a holocaust for robots. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of messed up. She literally goes in there and witnesses the genocide of her race. She doesn't know any better. She just, It kind of just looks like her, the people that she knows are dying. And it, it zooms out. The last thing she sees is Teddy Flood also dead, which she witnessed him die earlier when the jacked up frat dude shot him randomly. They were talking at the bar and then Teddy gets just, you know, uh, shot up and Maeve wipes the blood off her and keeps drinking because there's nothing to see here. And, but she also sees Teddy, you know, getting cleaned in one of the, in one of the glass rooms. So in that moment, she connects that, this place is attached to the place where she lives. She doesn't exactly know why, but she is in a gosh dang nightmare. She is very naked. She collapses to the floor in agony and angst to the point where all the the cats show up and they, and they put her back under. And Felix is like, or like Sylvester's like, you didn't even put her under. And Felix is like, I swear to God I did, which he did. She just woke up by herself. And then... Uh, and then really the, the only Maeve thing that happens, well, a few Maeve things happen after that. After that, uh, Elsie gets a hold of her and is like, oh my God, what did they do to her? They, they upped her aggression so much and, you know, I'm going to make her this way because Elsie is, and I think we talked about this a little bit, is projecting on her in that moment where narrative was projecting on her as well. Being under Lee Sizemore, they upped her aggression by 20%, where she's literally talking to a woman after that, and she grabs her by the, the crotchal region, and the woman's like, okay, well, thanks, I guess. And then uh, Elsie projects upon her as well, and ups her emotional acuity, because that's what she, that's what Elsie believes is her strong point. Um, and and we get the beginnings of what is going to be Super Maeve, you know, as they, are, uh, as they up everything in her body. Another thing that's established in this episode is Bernard and... What's her name? Teresa. Yes. Is Bernard and Teresa's relationship, and when they're kind of having their pillow talk, Teresa drops this ridiculous foreshadowing line. She's like, oh, you know, your creations are always talking to each other, even when there are no people around. Bernard's like, oh, well, they're just practicing on, on sounding more natural. And she's like, is that what you're doing right now, Bernard? Are you practicing? He is, James. He is actually exactly doing that. Womp womp. <laughs> also, earlier when, when uh, Bernard is talking to Teresa after she gets off the phone with corporate and she's smoking, he also says, you've been talking to corporate. Only time you light up is after you talk to corporate. Which is, and I was like, Bernard, you're just, you're just recording things she does and, resp- and like telling her about it. St- stop that. The end of the episode is a little bit funny. Lee Sizemore goes through his big introduction of his storyline. Ford's just like, nah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no you can't you can't do any of that. I'm about to like rip up half the park and and get into some um large plan that is most likely uh the genocide of the human race. So um no, get out of here, Lee Sizemore. All your stuff sucks, minus these boots, gimme them. William tries to talk to Dolores, and Logan pulls him away, which is just more of like, no, William, you can't have any fun. Exactly. William comes up to Dolores when she drops her can. He smiles genuinely, and then, you know, tips his cap. 
in front of the burned down church, Bernard is talking with Ford and he's like, oh, you know that uh, the board's going to be really upset that you canceled this big storyline. And Dr. Robert Ford's like, don't worry. What I have in mind is going to be way more entertaining, which is going to be the annihilation of, of all humanity. Right, exactly. And he brings him back to that to that place where Ford and and young Ford robot were walking earlier, which we don't we don't say is weird, but it is weird that he made a robot version of himself and he talks to him. And even though he knows all the answers the kid's going to say for sure. But you're right, he brings Bernard back. Did you see Bernard was wearing like a baseball cap in that scene? It was so weird. Like wh- why? He looks Ford should have told him like number 1 uh, you, you, I know that I did this to you because I wrote your programming, but this is the one thing I messed up. That hat sucks. You and Logan should talk about how your hats suck. Also, like, let's say I'm a guest at the park and I paid 40 grand to be here and I see uh, a member of the staff wearing a baseball hat and I'd be like, hey, come on, that's not authentic. They didn't have baseball caps in the mid 19th century unless they did. And I just don't know that. <laughs> then you just making me feel stupid and that's not worth 40 grand a day. Also, we see in this scene, or not this scene, but in this episode, um, I think during when the Men in Black is, uh, you know, shooting all of Lawrence's family willy-nilly, they show the part where Ashley Stubbs gets, like, they show a, a tablet to him, and they're like, this dude's been just killing everybody, and Ashley Stubbs uh, says that guest gets whatever he wants, which at that point, that was huge for us, I remember, when we first watched it, like, whoo, they know about him, who is he, what has he done, and we learn later that he's, like, on the board, and he's obvi- also, you know, William, whose company eventually uh, is trying to either buy Westworld or has a stake in Westworld, and, and you know, it's Ed Harris who is a very important part of of this Westworld board of it, uh, and he knows Robert Ford and, and their they are they become enemies eventually like uh but like enemies who respect each other but yeah ashley stubbs knows who ed harris is the man in black is and he's allowed to do anything he wants so i liked this episode a lot the second time around maybe even more so than my first run through actually because it's kind of fun to parse through like oh what timeline are we in and oh what kind of foreshadowing is that Whereas maybe the first time around, I was just a little bit too much like, I wonder what that means. I wonder what this means, you know? Yeah, well, I think a a lot of the moments that you... There were so many moments in here, like all the Bernard moments where he's uh, he's saying weird things that, like, infer he's a robot. And all the moments where Dr. Robert Ford is inferring that he's going to try to kill everybody as long as Bernard or the world doesn't try to stop him. Um, there are so many lines in this episode, way more than episode one, that uh, is, as a seasoned viewer of the show, you'd be like, you get you gain a lot more understanding of them in that moment. Also, I think it holds value that the Maeve storyline in this episode is um, entertaining and one of the most, I guess, heavy. I think the heaviest scene so far out of the first two, even heavier than Dolores hitting the fly. When when Tandy Newton's Maeve collapses when she witnesses the genocide of of her robot brethren who she doesn't know are robots, that is so so intense. And it as you're right, I think it's one of the moments that like further solidified this show being wonderful to me. And it's a moment that is upon second viewing even heavier because you because even heavier, but also like 
you have like a nostalgic feeling of it. Like this is what the Maeve storyline was before it was slightly annoying. Also, it, it's probably not as important as any of these other things to mention, but there is that one moment for Lee Sizemore, who is a, is a character who, who shows up in the first few episodes and then just disappears and then comes back a little. Like I, I honestly want to know how much he's going to be in season two because I don't, like he it seems like he doesn't fit in like eventually he comes back and like pees on the on the map right right he's like why haven't i been in the show for so long i'm gonna pee on your fancy map yeah and and everybody and he, everybody remembers that and he's like just a little piss poor drunk child but at the end when robert ford is done like chastising him he does kind of like a little boy to his dad go like isn't there anything you like like he needs approval which is something that you don't gather from him being like, you know, Teresa, the board should just fire Ford. They should fire Ford. They should fire him. And then Ford tells him he did a bad job. And, and Lee looks at him like he's his dad who just told me he did a bad job and he needs a hug. And, and actually, it was a nice moment of a character that doesn't get a lot of playtime. And honestly, I kind of wish got more playtime over the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you there. I th- I think he's uh I like him better as comedic relief than I do the two cats. Uh especially cuz his character is better defined and we know his motivations are a lot more clear. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I meant. I I didn't want to say, it, but that's exactly what I meant. Like I I wish there was more Lee and less the cats eventually. Even though with like I in that moment like I said that and what popped into my head immediately was Felix doing the robot at the end, like, am I a robot too? Which I love that. And you recall, like, the Maeve storyline comes in really strong and ends really strong. And the middle of it's just so weird. So weird, in fact, that you're like, mm, might as well be Lee there. If it was Lee, I'd be I'd be fine with that. Yeah, like, someday in a burned out building, in years after the robots have escaped Westworld and destroyed everyone, people are going to be like, Felix, why did you do it? Why did you let the robots kill everyone? He's like, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Why did I do that again? Like, Yeah, and as we know from this episode, he really didn't do it. Kind of Maeve did it to herself, you know? She woke herself up. And Sylvester doesn't believe Felix, but that is what happened. And then uh, the last thing that happens in this episode is, you know, Ford and Bernard in his stupid hat looking out over the the future dig site where they're gonna where they're gonna dig up the the town that it was where the original meltdown was 30 years ago uh where arnold died and dolores killed her as you might recall uh killed him sorry and uh but the last line is bernard basically going like you made everyone mad there's no new storyline what are you gonna do and as we mentioned earlier ford says something to the effect of like you know, I'm going to make something good, something quite original, is what he says. Which I think might be um, just him doing a straight-up inference to the original. Which is, I believe, what the first episode is called, right? Oh, uh, yeah. And it's just, and the Dolores is the original. She's the one. She's Neo. We're going to create something quite original. Both, I think, in implying that Dolores is the original and the first um the first enlightened robot of the new species that will take over the earth and something quite original the actual species he's creating to replace humans we think 
All right, so thanks everyone for listening. If you just listen, it means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on SoundCloud, or if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, you could leave us a nice five-star review. Say your words about it. I know that we're not around all the time these days, okay? And I know that you have to go see other podcasts on the weekends. But we are around. Uh, J- James is is being a responsible father. I mean, whatever. Um, I'm being a responsible puppy father. Basically the same thing. Yeah. Actually, at some point, you will... You might have heard a, pu- a puppy in the background screaming uh, in in this recording. Maybe go back and listen again. Uh, I don't think you heard a baby screaming. There's not your baby's not there, is it? Is he? Not 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 at this very moment. Okay. Well, then maybe only a puppy. But yeah, we are around, and uh, we're gonna do episode three as soon as we as soon as we get to it. And I I hope you guys are just are just patient with us uh, because we really do love doing this. It's just it's just it's it's just one of the it's one of the neat things we do, you know. Yeah. You know? And also to the, to the three or four uh, really really dedicated fans, thank you so much. You guys keep saying words to us. Yeah, and you know when Westworld's back on the air, God knows when that's going to be. Where updates are going to be as fast and as regular as they were last season. Assumably, like twenty twenty two, most likely. And you know who knows? Maybe we'll get another Western movie club episode in there someday in the future no promises that's true we haven't even watched anything with john wayne in it i've never even seen a john wayne cowboy movie what is my life so once again thanks for listening and catch us back here next time for our rewatch of episode three i'm james and i'm ryan and this is the Westworld podcast oh and by the way the uh second player piano song was No Surprises by Radiohead. This Uh, is the Westworld Podcast. Okay, bye.